Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today, I'm hosting Dr. Donna Markova and Angie MacArthur. They are co-authors of Collaborative Intelligence, Thinking with People Who Think Differently. Welcome, Angie. Welcome, Donna. Thank you. Thank you. I want to start, I know that you talk about that in thinking together, we become more intelligent. I love that idea. You know, when we're, because many of us work in isolation, we're with our computer screens and, you know, our, we're doing our iPhone and texting, but we're, but we're working in isolation. So you're saying we need to get to get collaboration is a good thing. We're going to be more creative. Can you say something about that? Sure. Um, this it, is Donna. Th- thank you. This is Donna. Um, 85% about of your brain is devoted to connecting with other people. Nature knew what it was doing. Um, when we work in isolation, we are depriving ourselves of insight, of the excitement of discovery. Um, everybody has an example of some time in their life when one plus one equaled three, when you were sitting with someone else and the intelligence was not only within each of you, but it was between the two of you. And you found yourself thinking better with that other person than you thought by yourself. That's what we mean by collaborative intelligence, is the intelligence that's between, or can be, between the two of you that creates the three. Now, and and sometimes, I, I just remember something in your book about Peter Senge talking about getting together, like people, everybody in the room might be really intelligent and have a good high IQ, so to speak. And then they get together, and there, there's an instance where getting together actually starts to make them dumber. <laughs> you know, they get dumber. And so what is that situation, Angie? Well, actually, the percentage that I think he quotes is th- a group intelligence can actually drop by 30%. And I think this is the one of the reasons is because we are not taught how to collaborate. We are taught to cooperate or to get along, or we use words like teamwork. The book Collaborative Intelligence, what we're really exploring is what are the capacities that we all need to learn? What are the different ways that we can weave in different perspectives? And so collaboration can actually be alive and generate that three that Donna referred to. So it's much more it's much more than teamwork, which is kind of a buzzword in in working together. Yes. If you the simplest example is to think of singing in a choir or uh, musical instruments in an orchestra. Now, there's nothing wrong with stringed instruments all coming together or just even two violins playing together. However, there is something that happens with an entire orchestra or something that happens even more with a choir of human voices where each voice is being pulled to its best and there is a harmony and a resonance that is much more than just a collection of individuals. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about collaborative intelligence. So what kind of talent do we need to tap into to have a true collaboration? Well, I think it starts, first of all, with the mindset. We talk about shifting from a market share mindset, which is where we attach values to things, to a mind share mindset, which is where we attach value to ideas. And an economic example of this is Airbnb. They 
now book more hotel rooms per night than all the other major hotel chains combined. Uh, that's an amazing statistic. Yet they do not own one hotel room. It's an entire mindshare economy. And just kind of describe for our listeners who may not be aware of Airbnb a little bit. It's, it's what, what do they do? Airbnb, you can log on, look for a room. You could rent out a room in your house. In fact, in San Francisco, I could rent a boat for a night in the bay. Um, you can rent a shack. I've seen people rent their RVs. It's basically any sleeping space that people are now able to rent. So, but they, again, Airbnb just provides the platform for both the host and the guest to interface, interact with one and another. And the advantage of that is that you get to know the people in the area. You, you're not in a sterile hotel room that has no interaction. So there's some interaction, and people are loving that, aren't they? Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's one of the fastest growing. I mean, and, and Uber is another example, is they don't own taxis. Right. Everyone becomes their own taxi driver. We need to use the same mindset for when we're collaborating with others within organizations because we 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 need to be a host or a conductor where we're bringing great minds together and one of the things that we're not taught to do is when different perspectives show up how we manage those different perspectives and so this is where collaborative intelligence the term is how we use it is the measure of our ability to think with others on behalf of what matters to us all and so when breakdowns in thinking occur, none of us are taught in school or as we go through college or as we go into the workforce, when different perspectives show up, how we manage that diversity. And to us, this is the new economy because we're changing jobs every three years now. We may never meet our coworker who's in India. And so it becomes vital for us to be able to receive other people, understand them better, and have this ability to collaborate across diverse perspectives. Well, I'm just thinking, going back to education, and I know this is a strong point for you, Donna, uh, is that we're taught, we mimic back the answers, the right, the correct answers exactly. to the teacher. And so there's a memorization, and we take in information, and we just feed it back. Right. And we don't learn how to think. Right. So and I'm looking at you in this moment as you're speaking and your hands are up in the air. And it's such a bad joke, hopefully we'll turn to a good joke, that our hand, the human hand, which enables us to reach out to another person and for what we all want, has a common palm, but each finger is completely different. Each fingerprint is a proof. My grandmother used to kiss the tips of my fingers, and she'd say, this proves that you're one of a kind. You're a miracle because never before and never again will there be another like you. So we already know how to collaborate. The fingers on one hand collaborate. The two hands collaborate. We just ignore them and we tell children, fold your hands now. Sit still now. Don't move now. Um, and instead of going, you are a miracle, let's discover what does work with you. Let's discover what your brain needs to operate at a maximum level rather than labeling them with, with disorders and deficits and then medicating them so they will be at a... Uh, manageable level of mediocrity. So when you when you talk about that, we we've given a lot of labels that like he's OCD or mm -hmm. something like that or ADD or mm -hmm. you know these these letters that we give mm -hmm. to people 
And the work that you do, you're saying, wait a minute, this is not a pathology. This is, they are thinking differently, and we need to bring that into the circle of conversation. Yes. All this work began when I was working with kids that nobody else could teach, and they all had those labels. And I took newsprint, and I put a piece of newsprint on the wall for each child in the room, and I put their name up, and I invited Everybody, everybody, the janitor, the coaches, the nephews, the cousins, the brothers to come in and write anything they knew about how that child learned, what did work for that child. And we had a week and people would come in and fill them all out. At the end of the week, we had what parents were pleading with me. Where's the operator's manual to my child's brain? Yes. We had, in fact, what I called an intellectual passport because we knew how to help that child learn. And as the child grew, other people would add to it. And it was the parent's responsibility to take that intellectual passport and pass it on to the next teacher and the next and the next. Now, thanks to Angie and my son Dave, we have an app that's for free um, on the iTunes store that's called Smart Spark. And it enables you to do that and learn that for yourself. Let me say Smart Spark. Right, like the spark of intelligence. Okay, smart spark on iTunes, free. And it's free, totally free. And so it enables you to, with your child, discover how their mind learns and what does work with them, how your mind works and what works with you, and how to work with the differences between you. Now, another point, which which I I think you've kind of demonstrated with your grandmother talking about your five fingers, Um, you know that... When we learn something new, if it's just in our head, just in our intellect, we, pr- we, we haven't truly learned it until it, we embody it. So how, how do we teach that kind of learning? How do we express that kind of learning? Well, I think it's just being more creative with not only how we're learning, but also equipping children and ourselves as adults with the language instead of feeling stupid when you can't learn something or saying to yourself, I'm stupid, I just can't learn this, saying, maybe it's because I haven't experienced it yet, or maybe they're just telling me, but I need to see it in writing. And so it's equipping yourself and and the kids that we're trying to teach with the language of shifting from not if you're smart, but how you are smart, and having a way to express that. And to me, that just opens up all sorts of possibilities. Angie compiled a book, which is now available for sale, that's called I Am Smart. And that book also helps parents think multisensorily with their children. So their information comes in visually, kinesthetically, auditorily, in all modes. And the child and the parent get curious about what sequence works. There's no such thing as a visual learner. We all learn, as you implied, we all learn with our bodies, we learn with our eyes, we learn with our ears, we learn with all of our senses. It's the sequence in which a child learns that's important to know if you're going to teach them. And if a child starts moving, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're hyperactive. It can mean that their brain needs kinesthetic experience and movement in order to digest the information. The same ways when you digest food, because you put the food in your mouth doesn't mean that it nourishes you. It has to be swallowed. It has to be churned. It has to be integrated. And information is exactly the same way. So in collaboration, it's very different from 
cooperation. Yes. And our our team building, we do compromise. I'm thinking these C words, compromise right, right. And, and cooperate. Competition. Right. Competition, you right. know. So so discuss that a little bit. Well, you can cooperate without collaborating. Um, you can't collaborate without cooperating. So what's commonly, let's say you and I are collaborating, an example of cooperation would be you want to go out to the movies, I want to go out to dinner, so instead we go home and go to sleep and watch television. That's cooperation. Yeah. Collaboration is, so I heard about this movie theater where they actually serve dinner. <laughs> so collaboration, but it becomes more than just one plus one because there is this intelligence between us and so collaboration produces one plus one equals three yeah yeah i'm better when i think with you and that happens to be true justine (laughs) (laughs) i'm better when i think with you donna that's for sure tell me then um we're coming into a time i call them threshold times you call it something else you call a hinge time i think and um why do we need this more than ever well, I think we're all required to look for better answers. We Every challenge out there is so big, it's daunting. We need more minds, and we need more diversity of thinking on these challenges that we all face. And I think one of the things as we've gone through this for the last 15 years of working in organizations, well, for me, it's 15 years, for Donna, it's longer, is that we tend to hire those who think just like we do, or we tend to affiliate with those who think just like we do, because it offers comfort and offers reassurance. But if we can really learn to think across boundaries of what we consider to be smart, and we can actually open up our perspective to invite new perspectives in that are completely at first seem so foreign, then perhaps maybe we can find answers to some of these very, very complex problems. There's another perspective on what Angie just said. We are at a time, whenever the brain bifurcates, whenever it goes into either or, Um, what tends to happen is next the amygdala in the brain gets triggered and we go into fight, flight, or freeze. Um, That is not the only options that are available to us. Because we have 85% of the brain that's devoted to connection, we also have the option to affiliate. And when you affiliate, the first thing that you do is you go, as I have mentioned many times, confusion is not a mental disorder. The first thing you go into is confusion. It's like when you chew food in your mouth and you really taste it, and you're not sure, is it sweet or is it sour, what it is. That's confusion. So when the brain goes into confusion, it's trying to open up. But we consider confusion a disease. And so we shut the brain down into either or, either or, or, either or. What naturally metabolizes next, if you allow it, from confusion is this state of curiosity. And then the state of discovery. And then the state of I wonder. Now, I've worked with senior leadership teams in Japan. And when people are actually wondering, it's, everybody becomes silent. Nobody interrupts one another. In the United States, when someone goes into a state of confusion, everybody jumps in to try and fix them and give them an answer. Boom, well, it's either this or this. Obviously, which one do you want? And so we don't have time to innovate. We don't have time to relate. And Sherry Turkle just came out with a wonderful new book. And what she found is there is this diminishment of empathy, compassion, um, all those curiosity, because our thinking is becoming faster and faster, either, either or 
either or, or we are thinking from the outside in, what will other people think of me? Let me give it quick rather than the inside out, which is how do I grow my capacity in this situation? Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, there's so much more that we could cover in this, but I think you've given us a little thumbnail. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us on the New Dimensions Cafe. I make your thanks welcome in me, Justine. Thank you. I've been speaking with Dr. Donna Markova and with Angie MacArthur, and they are the co-authors of Collaborative Intelligence, Thinking with People Who Think Differently. And if you want to know more about their work, you can go to the website CQ, stands for Collaborative Quotient, cqthebook.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I want to thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe and invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org.